That's the greatest day in your life when that happens, when the Lord gives you faith to believe. It's it's good to learn, and there is a learning process. Uh, you want to believe, you try hard to believe, and then there comes a time when you can believe, when you can see the scriptures that Christ died for sinners. You know you're a sinner. That includes you. It includes me. Sinners that know they're lost, know they're, they're lawbreakers, know that they deserve to go to hell because that's the, the end of God's justice. Is uh, You must suffer if you don't obey. And then uh, for the Lord to be revealed to you from his word that he died for me, the greatest thing that can happen to you. Well, this morning we were talking about bringing glory to God. And of course, being sinners like we are, that's kind of a difficult thing to even think about how we could bring glory to God. And Ferdy sang that great song of his called Trophy of His Grace. And uh, a, a trophy is something you win. It's something you work for. It's something you uh, train for. And that's what our Lord Jesus Christ did to uh, get us eternal life, to make us his trophies. Imagine keeping the law perfectly all the moments of his life. That's, that in itself is just has to be God. Only God could do that. And yet he's not just God, he's man. He has, uh, it was God taking on man's nature. He, he didn't combine the natures, the natures remained separately. But the human nature never sinned. And uh, that gets us our righteousness. He uh, earned a perfect righteousness by keeping the law perfectly, and so a believer has that righteousness imputed to him. It belongs to them. And these are things that dawn in upon you. It's Christ being revealed to your heart as he's yours. Everything he did or said or accomplished is yours too. He calls us brethren because he's just like us. So we were talking about bringing glory to God. And then I think the last scripture we read was uh, Romans 12 and verse 1. So let's read that one one more time, and maybe we can take off from there. Romans 12 and verse 1. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Let's bow our heads. Father, again, we thank you and praise you for thy word and then for giving us a little understanding of it. What a blessing to think that we know a little bit. We know enough in order to see our need of a Savior, our need of a Redeemer, our need of a Substitute. Our, our knowledge of ourself is enough to know we don't deserve anything. And if we were sent to hell, it would be deserving. We would have no complaint. And yet there's a great love of God to an elect soul. One that God has chosen from eternity. 
We don't know who they are, but we're so glad that thou hast shown us that we're one of them. We're one that uh, thou hast had an everlasting love for, and during our lifetime, our life frame, thou hast drawn us to the Lord Jesus Christ. So as we read scriptures tonight and talk about Christ, we ask thy spirit to teach our hearts. We pray in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. So if we're to be a living sacrifice, how do we show this? Well, you see, we ought to have hearts that appreciate God. Appreciate what about him? Well, let's look at Psalm 92, verse 8 and 15. Psalm 92, 8 and 15. But thou, Lord, art most high forevermore. We're acknowledging that there is no other being or God higher than God. And then I said, verse what, 15. To show that the Lord is upright, he is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. That's appreciation for God. Uh, Psalm 97, verse 9. For thou, Lord, art high above all the earth. Thou art exalted far above all gods. Of course, uh, you and I don't know about any other gods, except that when people worship something, it becomes a god to them. But there are so many false gods in the world, so many false religions, that uh, this is enough to say that our God is above anything in the world that's, that's worship. So uh, we are also to show our adoration of God. And look at Psalm 29 and verse 2. Psalm 29 and verse 2. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Now that's kind of hard to do, isn't it, when you think about yourself, you think about your daily activities, you think about the times you come to church to worship, and yet what do we know about holiness? When we live in such a terrible community, when there's sin everywhere, in through the eye gate, in through the ear gate, uh, everywhere we walk, everywhere we look, the hand of man is uh, just developing one type of sin after another. For us to worship in the beauty of holiness is a gift of God. If our hearts are sincere and can be sincere when we praise and thank Him, that in itself is a wonderful thing, and that's adoration to God and His grace to us. Then God demands that we have a real, real affection for Him, and this is difficult for us too, but look at Deuteronomy 6 and verse 5. Deuteronomy 6 and verse 5. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, 
with all thy might. Now, if this was possible for any one of us to do this, to start, say tomorrow, it wouldn't do you any good. I mean, you're supposed to. That's your reasonable service. But what happened uh, to all these sins aforetime? And I was reading one of the real old Puritans, and he was saying, now, what if, what if someone, even God himself, even if the Lord Jesus Christ would come up with the perfect, perfect, no, not, not the Lord Jesus. Maybe I'm, I'm forgetting the story. I'm getting it crooked. What if somebody else came up with a perfect plan to, uh, to pay for your sin debt? to uh, give you a perfect righteousness and then when it came time to apply it to you he couldn't do it because you are dead in trespasses and sins that's why our Lord Jesus Christ being the giver of life has to quicken a sinner first has to give him life because if someone had this perfect cure what would they start with somebody dead that didn't have life so uh, that's just some of the deeper thinking of some of the great Puritans, and uh, my mind isn't <laughs> isn't like that. But we're to love the Lord with all of our heart, with all of thy soul, with all thy might, and you and I fail in that every single day. But we want to, and you know, one day we will when you have a new body then uh, if we were to worship the best we can, it will show the subjection we have to God. And look at Luke 22, 33. Luke 22, 33. Now, this is, uh, is Peter. And Peter was just as sincere and just as honest to his own heart as he could possibly be. So he says here, and he said unto him, Lord, I'm ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. But you see, that's not knowing the depth of the natural human heart. The Bible tells us in Jeremiah 17, 9, that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. And uh, I'm sure Peter had read that in the Old Testament, but... If the Lord don't make these things real to a heart, they just just don't understand it. So uh, he said he's ready to die. And I think he was. You know, when that mob came into the garden there and uh, Peter draws a sword that he has and swings for this guy's head, I think he wanted to kill him. But he missed and he just took off the fella's ear. And can't you imagine... The screaming, the hollering, the blood spurting, the terrible, terrible scene for a few minutes till the Lord picks up that ear and puts it back on the fellow. You know, that would have been enough if I was in that mob. I would think if I was part of that mob, just to see that would have been enough to fall at his feet and ask for mercy. But you know, nobody did. You know why? Because they weren't the Lord's. The Lord makes a difference in all of his people. He gives them repentance. He gives them faith. He opens the eyes of their understanding. That's what makes it different. Here's a whole mob of people that witnessed 
as big a miracle as anything could possibly be in a terrible, terrible scene. It's a wonder that when Peter did that, that they didn't just uh, attack all these Christ and the disciples and try to kill them. Because what Peter did was, uh, it's just unbelievable to swing at this guy's head and, and with a sword and just take off his ear. Lots of things we don't understand. And uh, the book is full of miracles and that's as big a miracle as there is. Our Lord just merely put that ear back on and there was no more blood, no more screaming, no more hollering. That fellow must have been so thankful. Even this fellow himself should have fallen at the feet of Christ and thanked him. But we don't have, we don't read none of that. They just um, merely took him and bound him and took him off to, to have him crucified. Let's look at John 21, verse 17. John 21, 17. Back to Peter again. Now our Lord had told Peter, yeah, you said you would die for me, you'd go to prison. But I'm going to tell you, Peter, before the cock even crows two times, you're going to deny me three times. So we get to John 21, 17. We find the Lord asking Peter three different times, Do you love me? One for each denial. He saith unto him the third time, this is verse 17, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And Peter was grieved, because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, this is Peter saying unto the Lord Jesus, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Here he is getting sincere. He's getting down to uh, loving the Lord with all of his heart. And Jesus saith unto him, feed my sheep. And this next verse, in verse 18, is where they get the idea that Peter was crucified. When he died, I, I don't know any true source except what it says right here. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou wast young, thou girdest thyself and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, so Peter is going to live for a while yet, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands and another shall gird thee and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. And they think that means he was crucified, but I don't know have no details on that whatsoever. But this spake he signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, follow me. Isn't that interesting? Well, we're talking about glorifying God. Why must we glorify God? Well, first of all, God gives us our very being. He is our creator. Look at Psalm 100 and verse 3. Psalm 100 and verse 3. Know ye that the Lord, he is God, and it is he that hath made us, not we ourselves, we are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. Now, Often David mentions sheep. 
often David mentions shepherd. That's not debasing the Lord to say that he is our shepherd because it's going to show you his love, his care, and his protection of his people. Why are the people called sheep? Because they're simple, because they're defenseless, because they have no power. A sheep that never attacks anything. Uh, now, sometimes a sheep is rebellious. They'll find a hole in a fence, and if they can get out, away from the flock, and once they find the hole, they get a roaming and they get wandering. Our Lord gives us that parable of the, the lost sheep that got out and got away. But another thing about sheep is they know their master's voice. So they've got to be pretty rebellious in order to get out of the range of the shepherd's voice. Uh, while you're in the Old Testament, look at Isaiah 42 and verse 5. It's going to tell you about God being the great creator. 42 and verse 5. Thus saith God the Lord, He that created the heavens, that stretched them out, He that spread forth the earth, and that which cometh out of it. Don't you like that part? That which cometh out of it. What comes out of the earth? Every single thing you see on top of the ground came out of the earth. You would think there would be enough stuff on top of the earth to make another earth. All the automobiles, all the trucks, all the houses, all the buildings, all the bridges, all the trees, everything's come out of the earth. Oh yeah, that's evolution. That just happened to happen, didn't it? Yeah. Then it says, and he that giveth breath unto the people upon it. Well, we know how he gave breath to Adam, and from thence on the human race started. And spirit to them that walk therein. Interesting enough that it takes God's spirit to quicken a sinner who's dead in trespasses and sins. That's where the spirit part comes in. When Adam disobeyed God, he died spiritually. His spirit died within him, and that left him a body and a soul with a dead spirit. Here it says, and uh, spirit to them that walk therein. What are we talking about right now? We're talking about why we should glorify God and praise him because he is our creator. He gave us our being. Look at Romans 11 and verse 36. Romans 11, 36. For of him... And through him, this is about the Lord Jesus Christ now, and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. Well, we have one more wonderful scripture. There are more in there in here in the New Testament, but this one in Colossians one verse sixteen is going to definitely lay it out for you that the Lord Jesus Christ is the Creator. Verse 16, Colossians 1, For by him were all things created that are in heaven, 
that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. And Paul, why didn't you take just a few more minutes and say, tell us what this throne is and what this dominion is and what a principality is and what do you mean by powers? Were your people so educated? Have they heard you explain this before, expound on it before? Possibly. But we're in the dark. I'm in the dark. What are these thrones, dominions, principalities, and powers? Whatever they are, our Lord is the creator of them. All things were created by him and for him. As a person, yes. You see, God as the creator wasn't a person, but when he became a person, he was still the creator, and they were created for this person, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's before all things, and by him all things consist. But we always like this next part of the verse 18. He's the head of the body, the church. So, what is the church? It's called his body, and uh, it consists of believers in him all over the world, no matter what language they speak, what color they are. They are all quickened by God's Spirit, first of all, made to see their lost condition. They're given faith to cry for mercy, and they're given faith to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what the church is. It has nothing to do with a denomination or with any one group of people in the world. But there are these groups in the world that want to claim they're the only church. And uh, it's sad, it's very, very sad. There is no one group anywhere who, is, who are God's people. God's people, God's church, God's body, God's bride are people from all over the world. All right, so we see that he is the creator. There's nothing could be any clearer than this. Whether they were in heaven or whether they in earth, whether they're visible or invisible, the Lord Jesus Christ created them. And these invisible things are uh, what's mysterious and uh, attacks the unbelief in our persons. When you can't see something, you usually don't believe in it. We never see the Lord Jesus Christ, but except as he's lifted up in the scriptures. And that's how we see him. People that don't have the scriptures and don't see him lifted up do not believe in him. They don't believe in God. They can't see God. They don't believe in God's spirit, though they talk a lot about it. Uh, God's Holy Spirit is the one who is mainly occupied with us now, revealing Christ to us teaching us things about him, uh, guiding, protecting us. Uh, that's what we're going to finish up by telling you about him being our creator. But it's not just us as people that glorify God. All things glorify God. Uh, the heavens, the Bible tells us the heavens glorify him. The, the, the beast, well, let's look at a few of these scriptures. Psalm 19 and verse 1. Psalm 19 and verse 1. 
The heavens declare the glory of God. And the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, night unto night showeth knowledge. Now, how many times do you go out at night and look up into the sky and think that this is giving us knowledge about God? God made the darkness. But he also made the lights to go into this darkness that we have enough light to see. He created the moon, which reflects the light of the sun, and he made the stars. But it's mysterious, because it's beyond our comprehension. What did he make them out of? He made them out of nothing. That's our God. This is the God we worship. And of course, verse 4 is going to tell you, their line has gone out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world and them as he said a tabernacle for the sun. What he is saying, there's no speech in verse 3 nor language with their voice. The sun, moon and the stars are observed everywhere in the world. That should be enough to show you there is a creator, that there is a God, the perfect uh, ordinance, the perfect order of the sun in the daytime and the moon and the stars at night, that shows you the glory of God, okay? Now, that's the heavens showing us the glory of God. Now, how about animals or beasts? Look at Isaiah 43 and verse 20. Isaiah 43 and verse 20. The beast of the field shall honor me, the dragons and the owls, because I give water in the wilderness and rivers in the deserts to give drink to my people, my chosen. The beast shall honor me. Now, there are an awful lot of animals in the world. Now, the ones that are dogs and cats and are our pets, we feed and we take care of. But there are multitudes that are in the wild. Birds, huge flocks of birds in every area, period. And God feeds them every single day. No matter what kind of uh, bird it is, or we can see these, um, these big long-necked birds along the bayou picking out minnows and uh, big flocks of blackbirds, and even right now down here in Louisiana, we have the robins that are visiting while it's winter time in the north. I don't know when they're going to fly back, but we still have them, and they're beautiful. Uh, red-breasted robins. But God takes care of all of those creatures. But we don't give that much thought. How about the angels? Well, God has preserved the angels, but we're going to find out that he's also given the angels a little job to do in Hebrews uh, 1 and verse 14. Hebrews 1 and verse 14. 
Uh, if we read verse 13, that's where it mentions angels. It says, But to which of the angels said he at any time, Sit on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool? See, he didn't never told that to angels. That was told to the Son of God. But verse 14 is going to say, And are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? Imagine that. You have a guardian angel. I know the Bible speaks about a death angel. It says a death angel passed through Egypt, killed all the firstborn. Uh, but angels to minister to them who are going to be heirs of salvation? Kind of interesting. Can you remember times in your life when you had some very close calls or something that uh, it just was kind of miraculous that you come out of? Very possible. It happened only because of a guardian angel. I don't know. But I'm going to say, if the Bible says we have them, I'm going to say we have them. And I also know that God's people are indwelt by God's Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit and the angels working together give us pretty good protection. Then uh, why must we glorify God? Well, all of our hopes hang on Him. Look at Psalm 39 and verse 7. Psalm 39 and verse 7. And now, Lord, what wait I for? My hope is in Thee. And uh, that's a good, good thought. Uh, David must be like the rest of us sometimes, uh, worrying about this or fretting about that or wondering about what's going on or whatever. He says, hey, why am I doing this? My hope is in Thee. My hope is in my God that can do anything, give me anything, take care of me, whatever. Wonderful. God is our hope. Now go to Psalm 62 and verse 5. Remember the Psalms are all written by this mighty king, King David. Most of them are. There's some of them in here by Asaph and Moses. But Psalm uh, 62 In verse 5, My soul, wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from Him. That's just like the same thing we just read over there. Come on, don't be upset or excited. God is mine. He's ours. My expectation is from Him. Titus 2.13. Now here is what's really speaking about hope. I like this because in uh, the fourth chapter of First Thessalonians, speaking of the Lord coming on a day of resurrection, he tells us about God's people, the one who have died as a believer. They have hope. He said the others don't have hope. But here's our hope. The hope is in the resurrection. So over here in the book of Titus, it tells us in verse 13, chapter 2, looking for that blessed hope. That's the day of resurrection. That's the day when the Lord Jesus comes to get his people. When he comes to give us our new bodies. 
See, you talk about miracles in the Bible. Wait until that happens. When millions of believers will receive a new body, all of them at the same time. If we're living, and we happen to be living right now, which means we're as close to the resurrection as anybody has ever been. But if we're living while he comes, we get the new body right on the spot too. That's the blessed hope. We have hope, like it says in the fourth chapter of 1 Thessalonians. But then the rest of this verse says, and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. This appearing of Christ in the world, we come with him which means that something takes place in between the resurrection and his appearing. Well, we know there's going to be the time of the Great Tribulation. We know that Jerusalem is going to be encompassed by all the nations of the world. They want to get rid of the Jews. They want to get rid of Jerusalem. They want to give it to the Arabs. It's not going to happen. This glorious appearing is when the Lord comes back and we come back with him. And so do the glorious angels. The angels come back to do the dirty work, which has to do with flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God. But uh, how do we know that we come back with him? Well, let's get back to that First Thessalonians just for a second. Chapter 3 and verse 13. It says, to the end that he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Now, does the Old Testament ever say anything like that? Well, look at Zechariah 14 and verse 5. Zechariah 14 and verse 5. Zechariah 14, it's on page 1394, talking about our Lord coming back to the Mount of Olives and uh, destroying all these enemies of Israel, saving the remnant of people who are there in Jerusalem. Verse 5 says, And ye shall flee to the valley of the mountains, for the valley of the mountains shall reach unto Isaiah, Yea, you shall flee like as ye fled from before the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. And the Lord my God shall come and all the saints with thee. Wow. So, it is mentioned in the Old Testament. But this particular chapter is telling you exactly where we're going to come. When we come back from heaven with him, we come into the Mount of Olives, verse 4. His feet are going to stand on the Mount of Olives. That's just outside of Jerusalem. Woe to those unbelievers in that time. Well, we glorify God by believing. Just simply believing. Look at Romans 4 and verse 20. You say, I, I haven't got much to offer. Well, believe. Believe in His Son. It's talking about Abraham here when he was so old. He was a hundred years old. 
Sarah was 90. She she wasn't having any more periods. She wasn't about to have any more kids. And God said to Abraham, Hey, you and Sarah are going to have one. You and Sarah. And verse 20 says, He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. By what? By believing Him. Now, unbelief calls God a liar. Look at 1 John 5 and verse 10, way in the back of the Bible. 1 John 5, verse 10. He that believeth on the Son of God hath a witness in himself. But he that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. Now what's the record? Well, you were, we're reading it. It's in this book. It's not only the record of the nation of Israel or the birth and life of the Lord Jesus Christ, but it's, it's God's record about salvation. We are included in here. We are the ones that God gave to his Son before the foundation of the world. Verse 11, this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life. This life is in his Son. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll have life. Don't believe, hey, you're in trouble. Verse 12, he that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Well, what do they have? Well, I'll tell you what they'll have. They'll have an eternity in the lake of fire, suffering eternal torments. That doesn't sound very nice. It's not a nice thing to even talk about. But it happens to be what will happen to unbelievers. This is the promise to them who will not believe. Then he says in verse 13, These things have I written unto you, that you believe on the name of the Son of God, on the Lord Jesus Christ, that you may know that you have eternal life, that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So if you can, believe on Christ. Know that God himself became one of us. He was born in Bethlehem. God gave him the body. When the angel announced this to Mary, he said, That holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Now the second person of the Godhead is called the Son of God. So the Son of God became the Son of God even though he was a man. He called himself the Son of Man. He is called the Son of God. He's the God-Man. That's as much as you could learn to know about. Believe in him. Cry unto him if you don't know him. Ask him for mercy. See how God answers you. Wait. Oh, let's turn to that scripture. Because... You can't make God deliver you at any time. God takes his time in delivering sinners. And one of the things the Bible teaches us is to call on him and wait. Now that's going to be in the book of Lamentations, the third chapter, and it's on page 1211. 1211. Verse 24, let's start there. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. 
and therefore will I hope in him. Well, the Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. So there we find seeking and waiting. What about this instantaneous, just uh, give your heart to Jesus and then go, huh? It's not what it says. It says, the Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. And it is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. And that reminds me of uh, over there in Romans 3, where it says that you uh, shut your mouth and cry unto the Lord for forgiveness. Here it says that you quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. You ask the Lord for mercy. He will grant it to you. No doubt about it. So we've had a wonderful day talking about glorifying God. Started with Ferdy singing about us being trophies of his grace. And that's just as as, as a ideal a thought about salvation. Every one the Lord Jesus Christ died for did not deserve it, had nothing to offer, and are objects of grace. Objects of the mercy of God and we'll be trophies of his grace. He has loved us with an everlasting love. He drew us to Christ because of his loving kindness and he gives us eternal life. Let's bow our heads. Father, again, we praise you and thank you for this Lord's Day and for the message that thou hast given us, for the blessings in our hearts of even talking about the things in thy word eternal life, adoption into God's family, uh, a new body, no more sin in our life, that we'll be holy like unto him, without blemish, without spot. He's coming back again. And then when he does come to earth, we come with so many wonderful promises to the believer. Lord Jesus, we just thank you and praise you for being our substitute, our Redeemer, and making some of these things real to our heart. We wish we knew more. We wish we were better students. We're just not. But we praise you and thank you for what you have given us and for what thou hast promised us. We pray this all in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen.